It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get gas flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4 Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. And as we begin today's episode, we've just heard that financial statement from the new Chancellor who today doubled up as Father Christmas with a sackful of impressive giveaways. Or did he? This comes hot on the heels of yesterday's announcement that fracking is back. Praise the Lord, said the chosen few. Get in the damn bin said everyone else. Our man live from the government crime scene is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Love it. Morning. How you doing? Good. I mean, there's a lot here to get into. I don't know where to begin, but, you know, Kwasi Kwarteng is a magician. He's just pulling stuff out the bag like there's nobody's business. I guess a bit like Liz Truss pulling out, you know, hundreds of billions to spend on energy bills. But look, this is the man, if if we're talking about fracking, this is the man that a few months ago said that fracking can't really produce any meaningful amounts of gas for 10 years, and it can't affect the price that we pay for gas or the European price for gas because we can't make enough of it. He said it wasn't practical. Yeah. They were actually the Chancellor's words. And of course, yesterday, the Honourable Member for the 18th century, Jacob Rees-Mogg, pitched up as the new business secretary or whatever the heck he is, uh, and said, no, no, frackings, it's all good. And, you know, Tory after Tory standing up, Dale, not not just the opposition benches, Tory after Tory saying, sorry, this ain't on. It's not in our manifesto. Our locals don't want it. It's not backed up by science. Yeah, and and they're right, and I find myself agreeing with them, which is a bit shocking. I'm just going to sit down after, after, I, uh, <laughs> after I say that. But, but look, I mean, they're, they're absolutely right. Cameron and Osborne tried to force fracking on the country for a whole 10 years, and they changed everything, planning law, environment law, property law, uh, and they couldn't make it work because yeah. they just brought people out on the streets, and a lot of them were Tory voters. They had to shut it down. I think it's madness to try and bring it back, especially since they say they're bringing it back to help solve this energy crisis. It can't do that. We don't have enough gas under our feet, right? We've got five years worth of gas. It'll take 10 years to get up to speed and it can't change the price we pay for energy. I mean, everything about it is wrong. So this statement then for the Chancellor, I mean, has it it screwed the environment in their kind of uh, alleged, their veneer of growth, their dash for growth? But, you know, I think it's a, it's a madcap plan that they've come up with, actually. You know, they're going to change the seismic limits for fracking in the hope that that will enable it to get going and people won't come back out on the streets to, to like stop it from happening. They're going to create planning free zones, apparently, where you can just do what you want in order to, you know, get started in a business and have some kind of trickle down wealth to the rest of the country. Tax breaks for the wealthy, planning free zones for big business. Um, and, you know, bring back fracking and drilling the North Sea. It's a mad plan, right? It's, it's like, like out of a mad hat's tea pie, there's a climate crisis going on, guys, right? And an energy crisis, and none of this is going to solve that. I mean, the real answer, of course, the antithesis and the antidote to this whole fracking nonsense is a green gas program, a national green gas program. It's like our new North Sea, green gas, gas from grass, because we can make enough to power the entire country like the North Sea used to. It does about half now of our whole country. Uh, but 
grass will never run out so we can make all the gas we need forever. What are we waiting for? And yet Liz Truss says she's wedded to net zero. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she's wedded to, but it isn't reality of that I'm sure, right? I mean, green gas is is just waiting to be done, right? It's zero carbon. It brings biodiversity boosts, huge numbers of jobs. It keeps the money that we're spending on gas in our country. We can keep our bills permanently low and affordable. I mean, it's got so much going for it. We've got the land, we've got the grass, we've got the technology, and we have the need, right? We have the need to get off the global fossil fuel markets, which are killing us with their prices. And we will spend 200 to 300 billion before the next election supporting energy bills. That doesn't solve the problem. It just deals with the, uh, what do you call it, the symptom, right? The cause of the problem isn't being dealt with. If we spent, oh my God, half of that money on infrastructure to build gas and electricity supplies from renewable energy, we would forever be making our own energy uh, at a permanently seriously low price, just half of the money that we'll waste between now and the next election. Yeah, and it strikes me, I I always think that financial statements are largely about um, headlines rather than detail. So it's the perception that the government wants to create, you know, screw this environmental lark, uh, let's get fracking and start doing that. So get the big old drills in there and drill until we knock people out their f-ing beds. It's that, right? And then, of course, on top of that, you know, we're going to cut taxes here. We're going to cut taxes here. And then, of course, somebody comes along with an impressive abacus and starts working it all out and think, well, hang on, it's not all free, this stuff. You know, someone's got to pay for this. Mm. No, that's right. I mean, that's that's politics, right? The art of just like uh, saying something for the effect of what's being said without really being rooted yeah. in delivery of that thing or the reality of that thing. And I think Reese Mogg is a master of it. I think Truss is a master of it. A lot of the Tories are actually masters of it. You know, they're playing to the crowd uh, and they deliver very little. Johnson was like brilliant at it. But my God, look what it did to the country when he was prime minister for a couple of years. Yeah. And and it's a terrible shame. You know, we actually need grown-ups in charge of the country that actually take care of things and take care of the people here, not uh, not just a few wealthy people. I mean, they're going to give a tax break now to banks and insurance companies worth six billion quid. How can that make any sense? Yeah, it's playing to that particular gallery. Just to go back to fracking for one second, another story I spotted, uh, which I'm sure you saw as well, that uh, the, the former boss of Quadrilla, oh, I love this uh, one, which just sounds like you know Kong meets Quadrilla <laughs> type thing. He even he's come out and said fracking won't work. I love this story, honestly, because this guy is a geologist, first and foremost. He founded Quadrilla, uh, which, as you say, has got a wonderful sounding name. And he was his chief executive for many years. And he's come out and said in a letter to Liz Truss, actually, that, look, I'm a fan of fracking, but it isn't going to work in Britain, right? The geology's wrong. It's not like the US. So many people have been saying that for so many years. And we're much more densely populated than the US, so you can't do it in the middle of nowhere. It will impact people. And it can't change the price, and it will take 10 years to get on its feet. And he just doesn't think there's a future in Britain for fracking. Wow. Yeah. Question in from Chloe on Twitter. He says, good to have the podcast back. Uh, aren't you looking at all this movement in fracking and wondering why you still bother? It's bleak out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I love it when it's worst, actually. You know, bring me bring me crazy times. And I think I'm more I'm more happy, more engaged than uh, than you know, plain old boring stuff. But look, also there's another thing, right? The the more extreme the Tories get, the the further to the right they go, the more they dig themselves in, 
the easier I think it will be or the better chance we have at the next election of getting rid of them. So in a way, I'm kind of, I'm glad that they're going so f***ing crazy. <laughs> uh, this one in from Yvonne. Thanks for the honesty in your letter to customers. We're going to stick with you. Hopefully renewables will eventually be freed from fossil fuel markets. So you've been writing to Folkdale. You've had your quill out. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh, this happens every time we have a price rise and, and that happened this October or ready for this October, 1st of October. And I wrote to our customers and as usual, I said to them, look, uh, you know, this is what prices are going to be. And, it, you know, there are, these are the reasons for it. But anybody that's struggling to pay their bills to us would prefer that they leave because we're about £300 now more expensive than a price cap tariff. So uh, it was just under 10%. Uh, but every time I write a letter, I say, look, you know, these are, these are the, the realities. And look, please leave if you can't afford us and come back when times are better, you know, when energy bills return to normal. That will come. It will come in a yeah. couple of years, probably. Um, but um, but actually, I think the crisis will come back again. And actually, to solve it long term, we've just got to get off of fossil fuels and actually build an entire fleet of renewable generators to power the country in electricity and gas. And and then, Yvonne, as as you as you say there, we can free ourselves from the fossil fuel price and we yeah. can pay the cost of renewables, uh, which is super low. I mean, super low. Right now, the uh, the cost of onshore wind and solar is around about 5p a unit, um, kind of at wholesale. And, and the cost in the uh, wholesale market of everything else is, is closer to 50 pence. Yeah. Just tell us how this price cap thing works then, Dale, because I, I, I was shocked out of my own pants yesterday when I got a letter <laughs> from the energy company. They start off with hello, which is fine. Uh, the Prime Minister recently announced the government energy guarantee, meaning that from October the 1st, the cost of energy for the average home will be no more than £2,500 a year. Okay, so far, so good. So they say to me, you stay with your current tariff and your increase and your energy bill for the year ahead is £4,340.89. As my old nan used to say, what the f*** is going on? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the uh, the simple answer is you're not an average user, but I mean, it's so confusing for everybody isn't it? I mean, because people think, oh, that's it. We're all going to pay £2,500. That isn't what's happening. What they've done is they've created a unit price that they will uh, subsidize and based on annual average consumption, which is about 3,000 units per home, yeah. that works out at £2,500. If you use less, you'll pay less. If you use more, you'll pay more. So it's just about the average home. Yeah. Yeah, I was a bit shocked by it. I was a bit sad. I cried, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. What the hell is going on? But we will uh, we'll watch with interest. Um, President of the World Bank, okay, yeah. Fairly senior gig in the financial world, you might think. The president of the World Bank isn't sure that climate change is real. This was a fascinating exchange with a journalist. Fairly senior gig, I thought you were going to say then. <laughs> that was your old nan speaking. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he was asked the question, like, uh, you know, do you believe that the, the mass burning of fossil fuels is, is driving the climate uh, crisis? Essentially, I, I um, paraphrase a little bit. And he said, uh, I'm not a scientist. Wow. <laughs> I'm not a scientist yeah. either, actually. Oh, but by the way, this bloke has a BA in physics. So what's going on? I mean, who knows? There are lots of calls for him to be replaced. The World Bank spends roughly as much on fossil fuels as it does on renewable energy stuff around the world. It has a huge arsenal of cash to spend. I think they spent about $30 billion last year on renewable stuff. They could probably spend twice as much. So a lot of calls right now from Al Gore and others to replace him with somebody that gets it and can change what the World Bank does. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a, you know, you might think that at a certain level, 
the, I appreciate that people have different views and they have nuances within those views and we all have to run with that, whatever the, the subject matter happens to be. But you would think, broadly speaking, that people at that level would kind of be on the same page. This guy's in a different stratosphere. Yeah, it's a response straight out of the playbook of Republicans in the US. I, I'm not a scientist, so don't ask me if climate change is real. I mean, that's just a wrong thing for him to say. Uh, you know, he's, he's the leader of an incredibly impactful, important, uh, you know, organization globally. And of course, you don't have to be a scientist to accept some realities that scientists tell us are, are there. You know, we all yeah. do that every day in our lives, don't we? This in from Tom on Facebook, still planning to go to COP27? Yeah, kind of. What I mean by that is I haven't really found a way to get there yet in... Uh, it's Egypt, isn't it? It's Egypt, yeah, yeah. right. So there's, there's a train uh, all the way to Turkey, and then the, the last bit from Turkey to Egypt is looking a bit tricky. I was hoping to uh, get a boat there or something like that. Uh, but I haven't cracked that last part yet, so it's kind of uh, it's still in planning, but yeah, I'm hoping to go. There is, and I, I say this not to, to stereotype, but it's a fact, but there are camels uh, aplenty <laughs> over in that neck of the woods. I yeah. mean, you can pay handsomely for a tourist trip on the back uh, of an old camel. So, I mean, that's surely your obvious, and, and that's quite symbolic as well, Dale, because you coming over the horizon on the back of one of those beasts has something almost messianic about it. <laughs> that would be an amazing image. But I've, <laughs> I've got, I've got time frame issues as well. You know, I kind of, I want to get there in less than a month or something. Yeah. Um, they're quite so slow. That's the only thing with your camel, isn't it? There's no turbocharged camel. They're the, almost the ultimate green false form of energy. Well, they're, they're really ornery as well. I've met a couple of camels um, in yeah. the desert and uh, they've got, they've got a great attitude. I love it. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, let's be honest. They're filthy beasts, but they, they, they have they're at, they they have an attitude. If they don't like you, they gob at you. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a, it's as simple like as that. Football fans, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we don't like you. <laughs> simple as that. Piss off. Um, they're taking none of it. But so once you can, if you can try and circumnavigate that that, that travel issue, you you want to be there. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Is there no car route? I mean, I know ideally you don't want to be going along in a you know a, a diesel Range Rover. That wouldn't yeah. be good. <laughs> well, it's a long way from uh, from Turkey to Egypt over of some, course. I would say, fairly difficult terrain, some fairly kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's say, challenging countries, right? Sure, sure. Uh, so that's the problem. Um, here's another one. China urges Europe to advance steps on climate change. I love that one as well. Th that's a headline. Let's just read that again. China urges Europe to advance steps on climate change. What is going on? I mean, look at where we find ourselves, right? We've got Putin mocking our democracy, I think, validly. And now you've got China saying, come on, Europe, pull your socks up on the climate crisis, yeah. validly, right? Um, I mean, what is – just tell us what is – it's become a, a almost default answer that yeah. if, if there's a climate issue, yeah. people always pull out the bag. Well, what about China? They're building all these kind of coal-powered uh, yeah. stations and, you know, India and America also aren't far behind. So China are absolutely hopeless on this one. They're up there with Métis from the World Bank when it comes to climate change. But actually, I think you touched on it before, that the reality is slightly different. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe in China they say, what about Europe or what about the West? I don't sure. know. But, you know, they're doing what they said they would do. I mean, it's one of the great things about their political system, actually. They do the things they plan to do. And right now they're looking at Europe bringing back coal because of the crisis in Ukraine, uh, the, you know, the, the invasion, the war, whatever you call it. And they're saying, guys, you know, you, you've – this this isn't right. This is going the wrong wrong direction. And Europe saying, "Oh, it's okay. It's only temporary." Well, you know, it probably is. Uh, but but ahead of COP twenty seven, 
China are basically saying to the whole world, we need to get serious. This has got to be about implementation now and how we finance the move to uh, to fight the climate crisis. They're just super serious about this stuff. They can feel the effects in their own country. Yeah. Uh, Greg, on Twitter, any updates on that geothermal project in Cornwall? Now, that one's gone quiet, actually. It, it's, so just um, explain what that was for those who, who missed it before. Well, ge- geothermal is like a really interesting form of energy. And, and funnily enough, the guys from Quadrilla that wrote the letter, there were two of them, the ex-CEO and the ex-PR guy. Uh, one of them has an interest in geothermal. And so at the end of the letter, they said the government should be pursuing things like geothermal and tidal lagoons, actually, which I have a, uh, an interest in, uh, instead of fracking. And geothermal is basically drilling a couple of kilometers under the ground to get into some kind of hot brine that, that lives there in, in lots of parts of Britain. And then it, it can be like 50 degrees centigrade, something like that. And then using the heat from that, you can run greenhouses, for example. You can find hotter temperature water as you go deeper down, and you can use that to turn turbines and make electricity. And the guys in Cornwall, what they discovered was that the brine there is full of lithium. And, and it flipped from being, as a concept, an energy-generating project that made lithium on the side to a lithium-making project that made energy on the side. And that's the last I heard. And I don't know where they're at now, but I should probably check in. Uh, final one on castles. I'm fascinated by who doesn't like a castle, you know, whatever the grim history that resulted in the thing being built in the first place. But they're dotted around all over the place. Uh, when I was a kid, because I grew up in Kent, the default day trip was Dover Castle. You know, I could almost be a tour guide over there at Dover Castle. I know my way <laughs> around a turret or two. Uh, but castles that have stood for hundreds of years do you think this is so relevant think about how long castles have been there sometimes half a millennium they've been there and we have now climate change damaging castles according to english heritage that's yeah. not a good look it's not a good look no and i think they dumped five thousand tons of granite in front of one of them on the coast it's, it's basically a coastal erosion rising sea level problem for me the really interesting takeaway from the article was that According to scientists, whatever we do to, even if we drastically cut carbon emissions, sea levels will continue to rise for hundreds of years, right? Hundreds. Yeah. And and there's, here's the National Trust fundraising to dump granite in front of these castles to try and keep them alive for just a little bit longer, like, uh, I don't know, maybe a decade or two. And it just looks to me to be completely futile. And it would be better to let climate change do its thing. And then we have right in front of us uh, you know, the most impactful kind of evidence that we could want about this impending destruction that we aren't going to be able to stop. You know, a few thousand tons of granite will stop it for a few years. That's it. But this is going to carry on for hundreds of years. So let it go, accept that we can't hold back the climate crisis, and then put all of our efforts into cutting carbon emissions down to zero, and then sucking out the excess carbon in the atmosphere as fast as we can. Because we, we can't deal with the symptom again, like trust has with the energy bills, rising sea levels, they're the symptom. What we've got to do is deal with the cause. Yeah. And the saddest part about all of this is Liz Truss, Kwasi Kwarteng, Jacob Rees-Mogg actually know this. And that's what <laughs> makes it even more mysterious. There they probably go. do. They probably don't give a shit because it's politics, isn't it? Yeah. Simple as that. Back to the headlines. That's what they like. That is it. Dale, uh, have a cracking week. We'll speak in seven days.
Fab. Thanks, Ian. See you later. That is it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider. That way you get each new episode automatically. Do leave a review there as well. Uh, really important bit, follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. On Insta and TikTok now as well. Zero. Carbon. East off.